Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord. We just bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we say thank you. If we never thanked you before, that we lay at your feet, we say thank you for your mercies. It's your mercies that were not consumed. We thank you for that cross. We bless you. Thank you, Father, for this hour. We just we commit everything into your hands, Lord. We ask that you just take absolute control, that you speak through me, your daughter, speak to us, and let your word permeate every heart. Hearing today, Lord, I just yield to you. Let your will and your will alone be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. So sorry. Oh, so sorry about that. So, so I welcome every one of you again to our family month. It's our third week now, and God has been faithful. He's been awesome. And I promise you, at the end of this whole thing, like my husband prayed this morning, our relationships, our families are going from glory to glory. We're going from this level of glory to another level of glory. And so shall it be. We're not living here the same way we came in today. As I declare and as I decree, so shall it be done. It shall be established in Jesus' name. So our topic today says, can people look at you and see Christ? Can people look at you and see Christ. Our text is Galatians 4.19. I'm reading from ERV. It says, my little children, I'm in pain again over you. Like a mother giving birth, I will feel this pain until people can look at you and see Christ. Amen. So that is Paul. Paul is asking, can people look at you? Can people look at me? Can people look at this church and see Christ? Amen. So Galatians 4, where he read from 1 to 20, I'll just quickly go through them and see what the Spirit of God leads us to just learn from here. He says, this is what I'm saying when young children inherit all that their father owned. They are still not different from the slaves, from his slaves. It doesn't matter that they own everything. That's children. It says when they are children, they must obey those who are chosen to care for them. But when they reach the age the father sent, they are free. It is the same for us. We were once like children, slaves to the useless rules of this world. When you go to Galatians 3.23 from TPT, I'm sorry I gave you something different. So until the revelation of faith for salvation was released, the law was a jailer, holding us as prisoners under lock and, the, and, the, under lock and key 
until the faith which was destined to be relieved, to be revealed, would set us free. The law was our guidance until Christ came so that we would be saved by faith. Amen. So when the right time came, he says in verse 4, God sent his son for a purpose. He says, so that he could buy the freedom of those who were under the law. All God has ever wanted is your own good, is our good. That's all he wants. We are the objects of his love. Amen. You are so, so, so beloved by God and are accepted in the beloved. God's purpose was to make you his children, to move you from that status of a slave and to bring you to the place of sonship. That was his purpose. And that is still the purpose of God today. Praise the Lord. Galatians 4 says in A, 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 oh, give me the classic, amplify classic. But when the proper time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born subject to the regulations of the law, to purchase the freedom of, to ransom, to redeem, to atone for those who were subject to the law. We were subject to that law. We are following, doing it, serving him, that law, left and right. But God sent his son to, for us who were subject to that law. Why? That he might adopt you. That you might be adopted. And have sonship conferred upon us. It was a celebration. A title you received. Sonship. That you might be title, you might have the title of what? A son, sonship, and be recognized as God's sons. Isn't that a good news? Now you are not slaves, verse 7 says, you're no longer slaves like before. You are no longer slaves. You are God's children, and nobody can make you believe otherwise. And you will receive everything he promises children. But this is not the language we're used to. I read the language we're used to. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, born servant, but a son. And if a son, then it follows that you are an heir. We understand the language of heir, right? By the aid of God through Christ. So you see what God has done. He just moved us from the place of slavery to freedom to the point that you're now a son of God, a child of God. Amen. And so we see Paul's love here for the Galatian believers. So he says, in the past, you did not know God. Paul began to speak to these Galatians. Remember, he called them all foolish Galatians once. He was retorting. He was, you know, angry with them. He was quoting, oh, you foolish Galatians. It's for this cause. And he's still speaking. He said, in the past, you did not know God. You were slaves to God that were not even real. But now you know through God. The true God. Say, really? Though it is God who knows you, it's not you. Say, so why do you turn back to the same kind of weak and useless rules you followed before? Do you want to be slaves to those things again? And I ask us, when we begin to keep rules, to live by the rules, the law works, 
Do you want to go back to slavery? Paul asked, and I'm asking us too, do we want to go back again? A dog going back to its vomit. God forbid. Amen. So he says in chapter, in verse, um, chapter 4, verse 8, Amplified Classic, he begins to say again, Now, however, that you have come to be acquainted with and understand and know the true God, or rather to be understood and known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and beggarly and worthless elementary things? Some of us are still wallowing in those elementary things that God already sent his son. And it will never be a wasted level. Like we have a song this morning, Mercy said no. Mercy said no. Even when we are still sinning, we are still wallowing. After the price has been paid, a huge price, the blood of the son, the cross, he went to the cross. Some of us still find ourselves walking on that lane again, slavery. But Macy said, no, you cannot be consumed. Amen. It is the love of God. No matter how much we try, Macy says, no. Amen. So Paul was furious. He said, so you're not beginning to observe again the seasons and the years and the months and the days. See, these people, they were beginning to go back again to Jewish Laws, the Sabbaths, the Jewish annual festivals, they started keeping again all those laws, all in an effort to bring Christianity, their Christian life, to completion. You started with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you want to end by works? That is what you, can, you still see today. That is why our senior pastor, we want to, he will, he will do everything to just help us not to keep going by works to just trust him, to just walk by faith in him. This is the same thing, the hearts, the hearts of a shepherd. Paul is weeping. These people are beginning to go back to keeping the laws. At verse 12, he says, brothers and sisters, I, become, I became like you. You know when Paul was serving those, the Jewish laws and regulations, we go from house to house, bringing out Christians to massacre them to deal with them until the day God caught him on his way to Damascus. As from the day he gave his life to Christ, somehow he found himself here in Galatia. He was sick. Everything works out together for good unto those of them that love the Lord. He didn't know it. He found himself there. So he helped these ones to get, he battered these ones. He brought them to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why it is painful for him. He says, please become like me. I forgot all those Jewish traditions and their laws and everything. To be like you, a Gentile. And I saved, I helped you. I brought you to the place of what? The saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you want to go back? He says, I became like you. He says, but become, please become like me. Now become like me. Be free from those rules. Be free in Christ. We are free in Christ, in Jesus' name. So Paul began to talk. He said a lot. He began to remind them how it was before when he came to them. He was sick. He was everything. He wasn't. But they still loved him, and they walked with him, and they were kind to him. He said, you accepted me as if I were Jesus Christ himself. He said, where is all that joy now? He says, what have I done wrong? 
Am I now your enemy because I tell you the truth? Isn't that the problem? We don't want to hear the truth. It is still the same problem today. We want sugar-coated lies. We don't want to. But the Bible says, the Lord Jesus told us, he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We shall know the truth, and it will make us free in Jesus' name. So Paul continued to talk. He said, you see those people, those Judaizers. He said, look, they're just paying, they're just trying to cut your favor. They're making much of you, cutting your favor. He said, be careful with them. They're trying to prevent you from having that freedom that we have in Christ. So they may want to win you over to themselves to cut your favor. He said, but at last, what is their motive? Their motive is just so that you yourself will begin to seek their favor, to cut their own favor. He says, do not be deceived. They have a wrong motive. So we want to tell ourselves today, we need to be very careful for people we go to when we travel home. Once I traveled home, when I traveled home, my brother-in-law wanted to take me to their pastor. And he said he will pray for me and I will give him how much I have. I need to bring money that, you know, I need to. After staying in Fountain of the Living World Church, you think somebody will deceive you like that? No, now it's not. It's a little feeling. Give a round of applause to the Lord. Yes, nobody, nobody can deceive us after hearing the raw word of God that we hear from this pulpit. After having the kind of parents in the Lord that we have, you think you can be easily deceived? No, it's not going to happen. Amen. And so that is what Colossians tells us. Colossians 2, it says, from 6 to 9, it says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk in union with him, reflecting his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin, unlike those Judaizers. Having been deeply rooted in him and now being continually built up in him and becoming increasingly more established, in your faith, that's what happens. The more you hear the word of God, the more established you are in your faith. And nobody, no Judaizer of today can deceive you. Amen? They say to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babbles, according to the tradition and musings of mere men following the elementary principles of this world rather than following the truths, the teachings of Christ. Man, that is very, very common when you travel back to home. In most of these African countries, as I was looking at YouTube, my daughter showed me something. I couldn't believe what was going on there. Ha! Ah, the worship of man instead of the worship of God. And verse 10 says, and in him you have been made complete. You don't need any other false teacher, any other Judaizer to begin to deceive you. Because in Christ, he says, you are already made complete. Not bring money to pray for you so that this will happen and that will happen. So you are achieving spiritual stature through Christ. And he is the head over all rule and authority of every angelic and earthly power. Praise the Lord. Stay in the word of God. Eat that word like you eat your food daily. Drink it in like water. And no Judaizer can do otherwise. Amen. So we come to my main verse. It says, my little children. Here we see the heart of a parent. 
He's gone from rebuking them to now showing love, to now speaking to them the way you would your baby. My little granddaughter was asking the mom, says, Mom, why would you always do what Cheesy tells you? Is it that you love only Cheesy more than us? She's the baby. Mom says, but you love her too. You show her love too. Why do you show her love? Say, because she, she's little. She doesn't understand. The mom said the same thing with me. That's why I show her love too. I, I don't love her more than you. See, but Paul said, my little children, that's what we are. In the face, in the presence of the Lord. And this is a fatherly, you know, love. He's gone down now from, you know, where he was scolding and talking. Now showing that love. A father shows a mother he says, I'm in pain again. In other words, before you were regenerated, I was in pain over you like a mother giving birth. He was going through labor pain. He says, I will feel this pain until people can look at you and see Christ. Paul said he will continue to intercede. He will not stop interceding for you and I. He will not stop praying for us until Christ is formed in us until people can look at me and you and they see Christ. Until people can look at the church and they see Christ. Amen? So just like the Galatian believers, we too, Jesus has come to dwell in us. He lives in us. But at this time, at the time of our new birth, and many verses can testify to that. Let's look at Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3. I'll read a few of them. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, amplified, he says, Do you not yourselves realize and know thoroughly by an ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you are counterfeit or disapproved? Then 2 Corinthians 4, 6-7, the classic amplified, says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as it is manifest in person and revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. However, since we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel in frail Human vessels, our bodies, our earthly bodies. He says we possess this vessel in us that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. This power that we're talking about that you carry, you weak earthly vessel, this power is from God. That's what he's saying. We are described as earthen vessels that contain this special treasure. Amen? And what is this treasure? Right there in verse 6, it tells us that this treasure is Christ himself, in whose face we see the glory of God. He says, Christ lives in you. Christ lives in us. Just like those Galatians, Christ lives in us, revealing the glory of God to us from within. Paul was reminding these people, Galatians, that though he was a fanatic, he was fanatical, he was very uncompromising in his faith, in his religion, his tradition, Jewish forefathers, he worked with them. But then at the time, it pleased the Lord to reveal his son in 
him, Paul himself. Let's look at uh, Galatians 1, 15 to 16. The same thing that God did in Paul, he has done in us too. Say, but when he who had chosen and set me apart before I was born and had called me by his grace, his undeserved favor and blessing, saw it, saw fit and was pleased to reveal, unveil, disclose his son within me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles. What is he trying to say here? Christ was revealed in Paul. Christ is also revealed in us. It just shows that from the very time when we gave our lives to Christ, God has always wanted to give us this inner revelation of Christ in us. Amen. And that is why God's plan to reveal his son in us from that within is not to reveal his son to us from without, but he's revealing his son to us from within us. Praise the Lord. And that is why Colossians 1.27 says, God, in, the eternal, in his eternal plan, chose to make known to them how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. It was a mystery. It's no longer one. If you were listening to a Bible study some weeks ago, pastor was hammering on it. It's no longer a mystery. This mystery is now revealed. Which, what is this mystery? Christ. Christ in us. Christ in us and among you, the hope and guarantee of realizing the glory. Amen. However, in all this, I'm seeing that at this point, Christ has not yet been formed in these people, in us. Because Paul is talking to all of us. That is why he keeps saying, my children with whom I travel again in birth. He says, again, I'm traveling again in birth. Until Christ is formed in you. He had a deep concern in his heart for the believers to be brought to that stage when Christ will be formed in them. He was not satisfied that they were merely regenerated children of God. Us, he's talking to us. He's not satisfied. Paul was traveling like a mother with pants, bad pants, for something much more than this, which is for Christ to be formed in you and in me. So people will look at you and see Christ. Your partner will wake up in the morning and see Christ lay, lying down there with him or with her. Your siblings will look at you and they will see Christ. Paul says, I will not stop traveling. I will not stop praying. I will not stop. Is this your concern? Have you ever, I want to ask you, have you ever as a child of God come to that place where you begin to wonder, is Christ formed in me? Paul said he will not rest until Christ is formed in you. He will not stop interceding and praying until you start to think right like Christ, speak like Christ, walk like Christ, live like Christ, make your decisions, your inclinations, everything like Christ. That's the meaning that the church must come to this place where the church begins to walk and talk and think and do everything like Christ. 
that you will begin to be consigned. That you walk like him. You talk like him. You act like him. You judge like him. All your inclinations will be like Christ. Paul said, I will not stop. I will not stop interceding until this happens to the church, until it happens to you. Amen? You know, this is a heart, the heart of a shepherd, a true shepherd. And guess what? You and I have seen it here. If your eyes are not open, I want you to think back. The day Pastor Dorothy brought this realization to me, she called that our senior pastor to pray for him. She said people should stretch out their hands. They stretch out their hands. And you know me, I was just involved deeply, deeply into that prayer point. Said that we should pray for him. That the desire of his heart concerning the church, that God will grant him that desire. He wants to see the church grow. He wants to see us grow in faith. He wants to see us grow from one level of glory, strength to another. To see every single one of us conformed to the image of Christ. And then I, I see, I never, I, I, I read the Bible, like, but I never thought of that. You know, regeneration is not, it's not just enough. Christ has to be formed in me. Well, she called that prayer point. And I'm thinking, this pastor, his heart desire is not for his family, not for money, but to see me, to see you, his own children in the Lord, be completely conformed to the image of Christ. It blew my mind. I was like, wow. And you know what? I've kept praying that prayer. Even when I write anything, I want to say thank you for carrying this body, for traveling in a mother's birth, birth pang until you see Christ in us, formed completely in us. That is the heart of a shepherd. But I tell you what today, the onus is on us. You need to also be concerned about you, about your spouse, about your children, about your parents. Is Christ being formed in them? Will people look at them and see Christ? Will people look at you and see Christ? Praise the Lord. Let us look at Galatians 2.20. Um, TPT. My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence, the essence of this new life is no longer yours. It's no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. Who lives the life? Not you. Christ lives that life through you. You just have to let go and let him. Praise the Lord. To live that life through you. It says we live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God. Who empowers your life? Like Paul, Christ. Amen. He who loves me so much that he gave himself for me. Dispensing his life into, he didn't even leave you alone. He didn't just give his life. He's dispensing that life into us daily. Amen. Christ lives in us. So because he lives in us, our Christian life 
It's not just a matter of, okay, I want to walk like him. I just want to, you know, um, imitate this person. No. Your thing should be to allow him to live, him, to live his own life through you. Amen? Philippians 1, 20, 21 says, It is my own eager expectation and hope that looking toward the future, I will not disgrace myself nor be ashamed in any way, but that with courage and the utmost freedom of speech, even now as always, Christ will be magnified in my body. Christ will be magnified in his body and exalted, whether by life or by death. That's why he said for me to live is Christ. He's my source of joy. Is he your source of joy? Your reason to live. He said to die is gain, for then I will be with him. You know, we sing that song, be magnified. Is Christ magnified in your life? It's not only when things, the going is good, whether in sorrow, whether in pain, in joy, Christ must be magnified in our lives. Amen. First John 3. He says, see what an incredible, let me quickly go to two for lack of time. It says, beloved, we are even here and now children of God. You are children of God. And it is not yet made clear what we will be after his coming. Now, he goes on and says, we know that when he comes and is revealed, we will as his children, be like him. You will be like him. You will be like him. It's, it's for me, it's encouraging. There's something that hits me there. It means that something is happening on the inside of me. Christ is actually forming in me. Praise the Lord. Romans 12 2 says, do not be conformed to this world any longer. We need one conform. Where you have to be fully conformed to the image of Christ, nothing less, not to the world. Amen. And his superficial values and customs may be transformed and progressively changed. How does this happen? As you mature spiritually, how does that happen? By the renewing of your mind. Focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. And we know that everything has to do, that has to do with renewal has to do with what? The word of God. It has to do with the word. The more you stay in the word, the more you feed on that word, the more you eat it, like Jeremiah said, and you drink it in, the more that transfiguration, transformation is working. Praise the Lord. Then, again, how do we get there again? 2 Corinthians 3.18 also gave us just, you know, some kind of explanation there. It says, and all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold, we are in the word of God. As we continue to read the story, as we continue to behold in the word of God. That is what struck me, that word. It is in the word again. As in a mirror. The glory of the Lord. You're constantly being transfigured or conformed into his very own image. 
in ever-increasing splendor from one level of glory to another and from one degree of glory to another. And he says, for this comes from the Lord. Who is that spirit? He is that spirit. So you see the point I'm trying to make, the word of God will help us in doing what? Christ being formed completely in us. The spirit of God cannot walk without the word. You know that the word is the equipment that is going to use to bring that transformation. Praise the Lord. The word of God. And then Romans 8, 28 began to show me something else. In this Romans 8, 28 to 30, I needed to just carefully, I tried so much to avoid this word, but it keeps coming. Honestly, I tried to use other translations to avoid predestined. It kept coming, and I know I'm not going, I can't do without it. My spirit was just so strong there. I want you to see why it was. And we know with great confidence, you know, that God, who is deeply concerned about you, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. For those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You were already predestined to be conformed. I don't see you dancing like I did. He already predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. Praise the Lord. And then he says again, and ultimately share in his complete sanctification so that he will be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among many believers. Then Tati said, those whom he predestined, check that he predestined, he also called. You see, he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also did what? Justified. You are predestined to be called, to be justified. Declared free of the guilt of sin. And those whom he justified, he also did what? Glorified. Raising them to a heavenly dignity. Another translation says, and he has shared his glory with them, these ones. So it's like conforming to the image of Christ has been in the heart of God before the foundations were laid, before ever you were born. You were predestined to conform to the image of Christ, his dear son, Christ. Amen? All that we went through, the justification, the calling, where also we can be conformed, predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Amen? So that makes you want to dance, a break dance, like Pastor will say. That our destiny by the will of God, by the will of God, it is to be conformed. That destiny is what? For us to be conformed to the image of his son. Amen. And then Colossians did more explanation. If you look at TPT, he says, lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade and disguise. For you have, been, you have acquired the new creation life. 
If you're asking how would this happen, you've acquired that new creation life, which is continually, that life is being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you. You can see that renewal completely into the image that's conforming to that image, giving you the full revelation of God. Amen? Ephesians. Ephesians also is just like that. Colossians is still opening our eyes to how. How. The how to. It says, you were told that your foolish desires will destroy you. You see, I chose this translation. I felt like it was a little bit, you know, like a normal day English. And it will help us to understand. What's the point? Talking and all this, and somebody is not understanding the heartbeat of God for you to understand, right? It says, you were told that your foolish desires will destroy you and that you must give. The translation is C-E-V. I think it's the contemporary English version. You were told that your foolish desires will destroy you and that you must give up your old way of life with its bad habits. It says, let the spirit change your way of thinking. Again, renewal. And make you into a new person. You were created to be like God. And so, you must please him and be truly holy. You see again, that's we're trying to bring renewal all to the end of what? To the same purpose of what? Being like your creator. Being formed in the image of your creator. That Christ will be fully formed in you. That you'll be conformed to that image of your creator. Amen. Of Christ. And then, as a church, Paul was talking to um, Ephesians. 4.13, they have a goal, which should be the goal of every church too. Until we all reach oneness, you should be thinking about your sister, your brother in the Lord, your parents, your children, your siblings. About them. When we talk about confirmation. So you can be of help to them. And as a church, that's our responsibility. It says, until we all reach oneness in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ. The measure of this, I was looking for the statue. It wasn't here. It's a different translation. To the full measure of the statue of Christ. This one said to the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts. Let me see if I can find... Okay, um, ERV says this work must continue until we are all joined together in what we believe and in what we know about the Son of God. Our goal, our goal is to become like full-grown man, to look just like Christ. You remember? And have all his perfection. Isn't that the topic today that people will look at you. We look at the church and see Christ. See Christ in your walk. See Christ in your talk. See Christ in your behavior. Husband, people, your wife will look at you and see Christ. Wife, your husband will look at you and see Christ. Amen? 
will be like, oh my God, I didn't know I've been married to Christ. I didn't know I was married to Christ. Your child will give an example with mom or dad. These ones, when you see my parents, you see Christ. And parents will be able to say, when you see my son, you see Christ. Until Christ is confirmed in your children, in your spouse, you should also not stop interceding. Amen. Philippians 2.13 is not in your strength. That's why I brought this here. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and uh, creating in you the power and the desire. It's not just the desire, but also the power, both to will and to also work and to do of his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Praise the Lord. You're not doing it by yourself. It is by his spirit. It is by the spirit of God. Amen? We have him in us. He's there to build Christ into each and every one of us. To build that living word. Because the Holy Spirit cannot do anything in absence of the word of God in you. It's not how much word you have. But how much has been built into you. Praise the Lord. Every day, if you think you're all the way there, don't worry, until something happens, you know that you've not even started. Amen? So that's why we have to, every reliance on the Spirit of God will get us through. And again, fellowshipping with the Word daily. Amen? Okay. Let me read um, Philippians 1, 6. And I'm convinced and sure of this, this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is there. And you do this thing by the power, reliance on the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that you'll be in the word. You will not give up. You will not stop traveling. You will not stop in that level pain. You will not stop interceding for your spouse and your children and your parents and that sister in the church and that brother until you see Christ formed in them. Until people will look at them. You will look at them and you see Christ. Amen. I will end with this, Colossians 3, 16 to 17. It says, let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being as you teach spiritual things and admonish and train one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Praise the Lord. 17 says, whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence on him, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
So I brought in that again because of the importance of having the richness of the word of God in you. And for you to know that it's not just the word that you, or, or you, you hear, but the one that has been built into you. And you want to be like a builder. He's there. He's using that word to form Christ in us. The word you're studying, you're speaking, he's using it to build himself in you. Praise the Lord. You need to cooperate. We need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit by going back to the Bible. We're daily eating it, digesting it, assimilating that word every day, the living word of God. And as we allow the word of Christ to dwell richly in us, as we yield ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit, as we are ready to say, Lord, I'm willing, then Christ is being progressively formed in you. You are being progressively conforming to the image of your maker. Remember today, being regenerated alone is not enough. Paul said, I will not stop interceding. I will not stop praying. I will not stop in this labor pain until Christ is completely developed in your hearts. That's another translation. Until people can look at you and see Christ. Praise the Lord. Shall we bow our heads quickly? Shall we bow our heads? You're still praying. I want you to thank God for what you have had today. Please bow your heads in prayer. Talk to him. What have you heard? What is the Spirit ministering to you? The Holy Spirit will minister stuff to you.